Hi everyone, welcome to the CRA Doctors We're All In This Together webinar presented by Securitech Screening. I'm Dave Jeffries, Chief Marketing Officer for Securitech. First, some housekeeping items to address. All attendees are on mute during the webinar, so if you do have questions, please utilize the chat capability in your attendee panel at any time during the presentation. And we will be covering a lot of relevant topics today. However, if your particular question or topic is not covered deeply enough, during the main body of the presentation, we do absolutely encourage those of you who have time to stick around for the Q&A afterwards. The presentation itself is scheduled to last about 30 minutes. However, our team will remain on the call for the full hour in order to answer as many questions as possible. Those we are not able to answer during the allotted time, we will follow up directly and answer via email or phone call. The webinar is being recorded along with the presentation slides will be made available to all attendees. Now, with those items addressed, I'd like to introduce you to today's panelists. Today, we're pleased to have back with us our good friend Kevin Bachman, the CRA doctor. For those of you who aren't familiar with Kevin and his work, he is recognized as a top-tier screening industry consultant who has really become known as an operations-focused expert. And today, he has agreed to take his time and to provide valuable insights into what he sees emerging in this extremely difficult marketplace and how today's background screeners can position themselves and maintain during this period of uncertainty actually growing when they come out the other side. We also have Danielle Hartberger, Account Management Specialist with Securitech. Chad LaFon, our Vice President of Sales and Business Development, was called away and unfortunately he will not be able to join us today. Though he did ask me to convey that on behalf of everyone at Securitech and all our dedicated people who make court data as a service a reality for our clients and partners, we would really like to say thank you for attending today's webinar. We understand that all of us as background screening professionals are truly in this together. We are facing challenging times, both as individuals and collectively. And with such headwinds, we each have our own individual and specific view of the industry, our own ideas on our best path forward. But it's our hope that by sponsoring time with Kevin today, such a knowledgeable consultant who is welcomed and respected by both CRAs and wholesale shops alike, that he can provide more of a macro view of what he's seeing that his clients are experiencing and what best practices are really emerging in today's background screening world. So with that said, again, welcome, and I'm going to turn the floor over to Kevin. Danielle, David, thanks for inviting me, and I'm happy to be here with everyone today. For all of you listening, you have a lot on your plate and a lot in your inbox. You know, you, you chose to be here with us today, and I'm humbled by that. So we're gonna do our best to make it worth your while. For my clients or those who have met me or worked with me over the years, heard me at PBSA, you know I'm very upbeat, energetic, and positive. I tell a lot of jokes and stories to make people laugh. I try and use funny pictures. Basically, just try and be a little lighthearted in a business that's otherwise pretty straight-laced. This isn't that type of webinar. And it, it's because I know the worry, the trepidation, the anxiety that many of you are thinking about right now. 10 million people in the last two weeks have lost their jobs. 3.3 million two weeks ago, 6.6 .6 million last week. A normal week is a few hundred thousand. I've, I've been working with my clients these past couple of weeks. I, I sense that turmoil in, in their voices and emails. So I, I want to try and help you the same way I help them. Uh, a sober, clear-eyed view of the current state of events and, and my solutions to help. The respect I have for you, the challenges you're facing, the questions you have are, are why I'm taking a much different tone here today. 
And we'll also spend a lot of time talking about structure and how to position your company to run a more effective, efficient shop. Whether it's next week, next month, next year, you know, we, we really are all in this together. This is gonna come in around a half hour, and that might be long for some of us in a time of crisis, but I, I think I really do that sometimes you, you need to spend time to save time. Time, energy, money, the, the risk of making a mistake you can't undo. So, so please stay with me. Before we jump in, a brief introduction to those who may be hearing me for the first time. I've served in the industry for now 19 years. Currently, I'm a consultant to a variety of companies in our space, helping them provide more consistent, compliant, accurate reports and supporting their service and sales teams to improve revenue, retention, and profitability. I also work with employers to create programs and partner with CRAs that best fit their needs. That, that gives me a greater understanding of, of what our end users want and need and, and, and knowledge levels about their program and our industry. My, my point in discussing that is I really feel fortunate to, to see and, and have that 360 degree view of, of each stakeholder, the relationships and, and our capabilities. It's that perspective that lets me address these topics here today from a few different vantage points. I'm also involved in PBSA and have served in different leadership capacities over the last 15 years. Currently, I'm a member of the Background Screening Credentialing Council, which oversees the accreditation program. I sit on the Industry Practices Committee and its steering committee, which provides hundreds of background screening companies with guidance on operational and compliance matters. And lastly, way back in the day, Pam Devada and I launched and, and co-chaired the uh, inaugural litigation avoidance committee. Finally, I host Background Check Radio, a podcast on iTunes to serve the screening industry and offer solutions on the best way to run a profitable CRA. Okay, what will we cover today? We'll talk about the current state of affairs. Today's solutions, what are some things you and your team can do right now to strengthen your business, independent of volume, your clients' plans, and your forecasts? the temporary and structural challenges we're seeing within the industry and in our client base. Short-term changes, what might be happening now that, that may, may alter the future, how we operate. And then uh, along those lines, alternate fulfillment options, long-term shifts, and, and then what's next? What do I see on the horizon for us as screeners and as an industry over the next few months? And it's, it's those last few points I really wanted to drill into because yes, we're living through COVID-19, but the actions we take now, the things we think about and implement, some really will become the new normal. And I, I mean that in terms of how we operate our businesses, how we run our teams, how we obtain our data. There's some things we're gonna do during this time when the smoke clears, we're gonna look back on it and say, huh, that was a really good solution. Why didn't we think of that before? I think we should just keep doing it that way. So yeah, we're, we're gonna make some changes inside of our businesses. And in the course of doing so, we're gonna find out these changes make us better, more efficient, more profitable, more compliant, more customer centric. So I, I want us to all keep those themes in mind as we work through this. So what are some things that we should do now? If you bounce from this webinar in the next five minutes and, 
And I hope you don't because there's a lot here that can really help you. But if you do, I want you to sit down and begin creating three revenue and expense models. One with a 25% reduction in the business you forecasted, one with a 50% reduction, and one anticipating a 75 loss in the business over the next 90 days. And I can hear the figurative gasps in the room here as I say that. Well, not really, because you're all on mute. <laughs> but while I, I don't intend to scare anyone, I, I kind of do. And here's why. Proper planning helps prevent future pain. If you don't have an original forecast to work off of, that's okay, we can still do this. But the, the minus 20, minus 50, and minus 75% models are designed to paint a picture of what the situation was, what the situation may look like, and it, it forces you to realize and, and, and through observation, begin to form some initial thoughts as to what the new normal might look like over the next couple months. Doesn't mean take action right away. Doesn't mean start implementing or terminating tomorrow, but it does mean start understanding and visually recognizing what it looks like and what you may want to do to combat it. I'm doing a lot of scenario planning with different CRAs right now where we are modeling, observing, and confronting some of these things head on. Because you know, but before this point, we all implemented what I call business continuity plans. Laptops, security, infrastructure, transition in the phone lines. But we probably didn't implement business continuity plans. And that's what I'm urging you to do right now. I've, I've long said that beginning to plan in a crisis is too late. There's too much emotion and uncertainty going on. The best time is before. And while we're in the crisis now, it's going to get worse. So doing it now is the time. And find me after the webinar if you need a hand or, or would like to talk further. Your, your risk management instincts as a leader. Your, your team members with, with similar skills. They can help you avoid being too optimistic, which is a noble trait of entrepreneurs, but it, it's a trap in this case, I believe. I'm really bullish about our industry and the future opportunity for all CRAs to do the three things I've always felt are core objectives. Drive higher client satisfaction, become a more compliant shop, and increase our profits. I still feel that way, but I don't feel that way right now. A not insignificant number of CRAs will close their doors, I believe, in the coming months. What we do today and what we intend to discuss on this webinar helps ensure you're not one of them. So what should your staff do? And this may be you, depending on your role. I'm a big fan of account reviews as a way to strengthen relationships. They're also effective in reducing client defections and increasing sales. I presented at PBSA on this. I, I want you and your team doing account reviews right now for a couple of reasons. One, you probably have the capacity. And two, and most importantly, CRAs with strong sales engines are waiting in the wings. They're going to believe I begin aggressive outreach and with it, perhaps aggressive discounting. And I think they're gonna do that for two reasons. First, to recoup the revenue they themselves have lost. And two, 
because they see a rare competitive advantage. There's, there's blood in the water. They see CRAs that might be struggling and they think they can pick off some of the business or an employer that might be willing to change something that they were otherwise pretty happy with for a price discount because their boss told them to cut expenses. You know, it, employers might not have taken those risks six months ago. Everything worked. Why change? But they might now, they can bring a nice shiny 8% savings back to their bosses. Might not have worked in January, but it might in April. So what I want you doing is reminding those clients why they loved you yesterday, why they still should today, and why you'll be their very best friend tomorrow. And, and I want you doing it two to three weeks before those sales engines start firing up. Next, rethink of accreditation. Are you up for your renewal, whether it's your three-year or five-year audit? Again, you, you probably have capacity. Building a better CRA is more than just doing more background checks today at the same gross margin. And, and that's not happening right now anyways. So let's look for other ways to do it. What are some other ideas? Train, teach, audit. Now's the time. And you can turn what you do into great RFP answers, great in-the-room sales presentation techniques. And the data around your auditing programs specifically, you can turn into fabulous sales and marketing tools. I, I, I won't go into too much depth on that here, but I've written and spoken on, on a lot of this before. I'm pretty passionate about how to use it effectively. So uh, just ping me and I'll, I'll, I'll send it your way. And your fulfillment strategies, your techniques and standard processes. There's a lot there that, that we're covering in the course of this webinar, specifically how and where some of the vendors in our space may be able to help you with those core objectives, whether it's secure tech or somebody else. And we'll, we'll talk a little more specifically about those solutions coming up. So as we pivot back to the work you have and the work you're currently doing, we need to evaluate what's changed, what hasn't, what might in the future, and whether those future changes will positively or negatively impact our business. I just outlined four different options there. And the, the challenge for everyone listening is you're, you're trying to do it on your own. Now more than ever, it's the time to pick up the phone, ask your friends, ask your partners, learn what's going on in the industry, what, what others are thinking and doing. Pick up the phone and call me. I won't charge you for it. Let's, let's just talk and learn together. Next, operational considerations. So let's, let's take a look at how we assemble consumer reports, starting with criminal components. We all have our network of court researchers. Are they impacted? Aren't they impacted? If they are, where? Where might that change in the future? A myriad of questions to ask, and, and you know, these are a few of the themes we'll reference today. What about your team, your public records team of researchers across the country? 10 years ago, I had over 100 different public record vendors and research companies across the country that I used. And I also had a team of two to three people to manage them. Is your team in the office? Can they work internally? Will your state permit it? Are they afraid to come to the office? You can't run a network that vast without a team to oversee it. So your network might be solid, but if your team isn't, then we need to make adjustments. I know some shops are struggling moving to a work from home model or, or maybe they don't have to right now. So 
there's a lot of permutations around this. If half your team works from home, but your business has been cut in half, is that a problem, a solution, an opportunity? If you need to work from home, but you don't have enough laptops or you can't get the security right, the data protection, well, that, that's a significant problem. And it might not be one today if you can go to the office, but what happens in a week if, you're, if and when your state shuts down? And one last thing for the leaders here, lead with your heart. People are scared, you're scared, but be flexible. Look for opportunities to serve. If your state hasn't restricted travel yet, but team members are afraid to walk into the office and, and you do have the business, but they're afraid, that, that's a hardship for you. But I, I don't recommend firing them the day after their last PTO day runs out. We're, we're people first, employer second. So that's, that's just something to keep in mind. Let's take a second to acknowledge what's in front of us, right? How do our clients feel? There's a lot of worry and uncertainty here, again, on both sides, personally, professionally. And many are doing this without a financial cushion in their businesses, perhaps like some of us listening here. And, and your buyers, your clients, the, their HR teams, they ain't thinking too much these days about employment screening. They're dealing with coworkers who coughed on each other. They're writing policies and answering questions about self-quarantine requirements. They themselves are trying to manage and forecast the impact of this to their business. You know, I, I routinely read HR message board questions and answers within the industry to see what people are talking about. And for the last couple of weeks, I've, I've tabulated this daily. 97% of HR message board questions and answers among practitioners are about COVID-19, 97%. Nothing else matters right now, including their background checks. So th that creates two real but different sets of challenges. Let's, let's tackle temporary challenges first. Those HR contacts who submit the background checks, but they're, they're not submitting orders because they're fielding complaints about coworkers coughing and, and writing leave policies their orders. Maybe they're just sitting on the desk or they're inside the ATS. They haven't been released yet. That's, that's a temporary challenge. Demand is suppressed because they're doing other things right now. And as they tackle what's in front of them and they get some of that out in the field and, and, and off their plate, they'll get to this down the road. Maybe problems are logistical or, or technological. They, they can't interview at the office or their applicants won't drive in. So trying to figure out online interviewing or their teams have turned into homeschool teachers like I have. So there's a myriad of reasons. But then there's challenges might be a little more permanent. Changing economic conditions means the plan to build that luxury hotel was canceled. Your client was the construction company that was going to hire 500 people to build it. That volume's gone. Those 500 workers were planning to eat lunch at your client's restaurant across the street. That's not happening. You know, our, our, our contacts, us, everyone listening here, we have the luxury and ability to work remotely. But the manufacturing plant can't. 
And if employees can't go there, either because they're locked down or they're sick or they're caring for somebody who is sick or their business is not essential, that's been impacted. That hits them and that hits us. So a little more on who is impacted besides, of course, all of us. And this is really, really helpful for creating those forecasting models I discussed earlier. Businesses and restaurants, some will be gone forever. And, and that's really sad. It doesn't give me pleasure to say it, but it is a reality we need to face. And the more and quicker we face it, better off our businesses will be. On the other side, some industries are doing really well. Grocery, consumer products, gig, pizza delivery, et cetera. That, that might not mean a surge in orders to your shop. They're not your clients, but it is reflective of the notion that not every industry is driving off a cliff right now. White collar industries or portions of a company that are more white collar, they're, they're not seeing that same impact. Those hires are more long-term, they're more strategic, or maybe there's just more remote work options. But blue collar industries or parts of those companies that are more physical in nature, can't do that if there's a lockdown or if it's a non-essential business. That's, that's shut down for a while. So business strategy in the time of crisis, what, what should we be looking at? Well, it, it is a time to rethink or embrace a bunch of new ideas. Yes, it's a crisis, but what will emerge from this, I absolutely promise, is a new set of assumptions or paradigms on what's necessary, what isn't, what's a best practice in our space. First, fulfillment solutions. How, when, where do we get our consumer report information? Who do we get it from? Court data is a great example. Some CRAs have moved to a mostly electronic automated environment. May take advantage of Securitex Synaptex solutions. Some still don't trust that method um, of, of automated court research and run into the courthouse every time. And, well, that right there, that, that shop's impacted right now for sure in a way that a, a different CRA isn't. So as, as we adjust to a new normal, a set of conditions that exist now that I think will begin to take hold, I come back to the, the buy or rent concept. How do I procure information? Do I, do I do it myself? Do I employ the team members to get it and take on those fixed salaries and benefits, physical plant? infrastructure, equipment costs? Do I build the pipes to access that information my own? Do I take all of that on and how do those costs balance out with my demand forecasts, my sales pipeline? You know, I think the alternative or do I just embrace that pay as I go model? Do I buy data when I need it and only when I need it? I, I honestly believe more companies are going to begin better balancing that risk and pain incrementally when and only when they need it. It's, it's what I call the find a friend model. Sure, perhaps I can achieve economies of scale by doing it myself, but I have to absolutely nail the following three, four things on my end to do it right. And what are they? Well, first, my forecast has to be solid. I have to have pretty clear certainty on a client's future volume relative to their present volume compared to their past volume. I got to do all those things to make an accurate forecast. I have to do well at estimating 
what my prospects think they're going to do, whether they're going to close, will prospects volume match their estimates? Because sometimes prospects overestimate to get higher discounts. Sometimes they just don't know on their end. So that's one and two, my clients and my prospects. Number three, my recruiting, my onboarding, my training systems have to be firing on all cylinders because if they're not, I now have operational shortfalls and gaps. I'm spending the money and labor, but I'm not getting the output and production I need. That's a problem for us. That's number three. And then number four, our employee retention model needs to be spot on because if the opposite happens, if I lose team members, I lose more talent, I lose more production than I'm probably losing in labor. So that's a gap on the other side. That's a hole bigger than just losing one person. Those are four things I have to be able to do really, really well. Now, it's, it's important that I say this because I'm not saying it simply because SecureTech invited me to speak to you on a webinar today. I, I like the pay-as-you-go model because to me, it's a much friendlier risk management system. It's not a huge capital spend or technology project to go do it to yourself, especially for shops that don't like to take on debt to finance the initiative. Or if you run to a bank to finance the initiative, now you have a liability. We want to be focused on our customers and our customers only, not our customers and the bank. No, the the pay-as-you-go model, it's, it's a much more flexible and much more cash-friendly solution, in, in my opinion. And, and lastly, you got to pay your bills, especially now. We're, we're all trying to hang on to cash, but it's how you want your clients to treat you, right? And I know you're keeping score on your end, so are they. Partners remember who's truly their partner in times like this. So if we don't have to, let's, let's not pay lip service to the phrase. So how do we do it? And as many of you know, if you've heard me speak before, these are my kids. And this moment was the only time that day they weren't at each other's throats. But, you know, we, we want to create win-win-wins, you know. So who wins or maybe better said, who's prioritized? your team, your business, your clients. And I know if you're a business owner listening now, you're struggling with those three, your team, your business, your clients, and you're looking ways to create wins for everybody. And I know right now in a lot of our minds, we're struggling finding those solutions that, that allows us to do that for, for all three of those stakeholders. So now we'll pivot into some of the solutions that'll help us do just that. So what are the benefits of having some of the alternate fulfillment options that, that I mentioned to consider as you plan for the new environment, whether again, it's through SecureTech or some of the other fine vendors in our space. You know, what, but th these are a few of the things I, I think will start to become the, the new normal. But a lot of you are making plans or thinking through what to do with staff, layoff, furloughs, hours, salary cuts. Are you applying for assistance from the federal government or trying to take advantage of some state and local county community grants that have been made available. So you're scared, but trust me, your team is too. But not, not the way you think. Yes, they're, they're scared for themselves in the, in the near term, of course. But in the long term, they're also scared about what they think will happen to the company. They're scared about the business in terms of how it affects them. And those two areas of worry amongst your employees are, are really important. And, and I, I want to explain why. 
Nobody on your staff, if you look inside your building, went to college to become a background checker. None of us listening here today stood up and said, we want to be a screening specialist at career day. We all kind of found this industry through different ways. So our, our staffs are, are more likely to be persuaded by and interested in opportunities outside of our industry. But on the flip side, we can't ignore that in times of crisis, some emerge stronger and strong shops are looking to build their teams. In my opinion, this is a once in a generation opportunity to recruit talent. And while that's not at everyone's mind right now, for sure. And while a lot of you hear me say that and think nothing could be less important right now, it is important for some, and some definitely are thinking about it. So keep that in mind and understand that the things we're talking about here, fulfillment options and solutions that we're discussing to run your business, just the more we're aware, the better we can prepare. You know, next, one thing to consider is, can we even do the work that we have? So we need to evaluate, and many of you have already done this. Um, depending on your individual state's timeline uh, and, and when you may have been shut down or movement and travel was restricted, you know, can we do the work? So if you're in California, New York, Ohio, like me, you've done this evaluation already because you've already been shut down for 10, 12, 14 days. If you're in Missouri or Texas, not so much. Arizona, which recently started restricting movement two days ago, you're, you're kind of just starting to tackle this. So what do we have to think through? Do we have equipment? Can you get it? Can you secure data? Can your researchers go into courts, which, which isn't a guarantee right now? Another thing to consider, you know, is your, is your best public records researcher on your team now a homeschool teacher of three elementary school students? And these are all considerations that have to be accounted for. And again, the speed with which you'll hit these challenges depends on what part of the country you're in. Again, here in Cleveland, Ohio, I hit this on March 10th. And a lot of states are, are way behind that. I've, I, I've long felt that if you line up six CRAs and ask them how to research and assemble consumer reports with criminal records data, you're going to get four different answers. There truly is a little nuance in everyone's process, whether it's scope of search, depth of search, alias name protocols, follow-up efforts with courts or data sources when information is confusing or, or incomplete. There's, there's no one-size-fits-all. And that's a context I really like to share. And again, I, I, I feel my vantage point and, and, and blessed, so to speak, that, that I get to see inside a number of different shops and see these nuances. Uh, SecureTech, for example, they have some customizable solutions that help manage and accommodate the shop's need for something a little bit different than, than maybe their competitor um, can do or a vendor's standard offering. It, it, it's not a throwaway concern. And again, I don't mention it because they've invited me to speak on their webinar. Um, in, in, in our space, when we assemble consumer reports, some things can be modified behind the scenes without significant impact to the screening program, without a negative impact to compliance, without require, requiring or triggering client disclosures. So there's some things we can do on our end that we don't have to do all of that stuff as well, changes we can make. But some things we really can't change. 
And this is one of the parts of the business that really needs to mirror what was promised or disclosed to a client. So vendors who can offer that kind of flexibility, again, whether it's secure tech or someone else, vendors who can offer that kind of flexibility, in my opinion, is really, really relevant right now. Okay, uh, more specifics around the vendor network and, and their capabilities. Uh, can they accept the work electronically? Can they transmit it to you? Can you receive it? How secure is it when it comes to your computer? A month ago, came to your computer in your office, you printed it out, that's fine. But now you're printing it on your kitchen table and you have to enter it into another system. So th this is where integrations with partners matter and, and not every data provider has one. Again, what might've been fine in February isn't fine in April. And, and I imagine some vendor changes will exist simply for that reason. I, I posted a webinar um, last week um, back to a theme we've talked about uh, a second ago, I posted a webinar last week on, on LinkedIn and again, ping me if you'd like to get a copy on the, where I discuss a little more depth, the human toll, the human element, uh, whether or not um, your staff can be, whether they want to be with you. And again, let's, let's treat this on a, on a human level. I, I go into a lot more depth um, on, on that particular webinar, but just a reminder, we, we can't run from the human in, in human resources. Next, we, we think internal. What's our capacity look like inside of our building? How have work from home models impacted you? And it, it's such strange, strange times, but the choices we make, again, expose us to what the new normal may and can be. And where are there opportunities? Your, your, your previous eight person in-house criminal records team is now three people from their kitchen table. Maybe it's because you only have three laptops. Maybe it's because five people have to be homeschool teachers. So maybe your capacity is down more than your volume, and, and we need to figure that out. You know, after all, doing criminal record research is one thing. Putting criminal records into a consumer report is another. And the industries that are hiring, gig, warehouse, grocery, retail, they, they tend to have higher hit rates. So it's not apples to apples when it comes to volume and the number of records. And when we're seven people down, that creates turnaround time, accuracy, compliance challenges, because no one wants to drive up turnaround time right now. I, I spent a lot of time actually talking to employers on why turnaround time is not the most important thing and for a CRA and why a client won't leave if turnaround time rises an hour. After all, different shops make different choices and the standards that they create to ensure compliance and protect their clients might drive turnaround time up an hour or two hours. And sometimes in the face of client feedback, we feel we're faced or we feel pressure to cut those corners and we try and resist that. But my point is when we look at what our internal capacity is now, how many people we have working, how many people that can work, whether it's equipment or homeschooling, and then we overlay that with the volume that we have, now's not the time we wanna create turnaround time problems or have those conversations with clients. You know, we, we need to meet our buyers where they are and our constraints right now, if we have them, it doesn't solve their, their problem. So we got to tackle it in a different way. You know, and one, one thing I forgot to mention on, on the last slide, um, especially as we think of the, the industries that are hiring, um, they do have 
Uh, you know, if we think of gig, we think of manufacturing, we think of warehouses, um, consumer products, they have higher hit rates. So there's, there's going to be that disproportionate impact to your, your client base. A thousand orders a day in a normal environment isn't the same as a thousand orders a day when all of that volume is concentrated in a couple industries because these are the places that have higher hit rates, that's gonna disproportionately affect your staff. So as, as, we, as we think about better management through, through risk fulfillment options, you know, listen, like, like a lot of these, whether it's automated court searches, products that offer a higher level of, of backend support, QA review, records cleanup, or, or the FCRA compliance level built in, all, all, of, these, all of these find a friend solutions Again, whether you get it from SecureTech or uh, one of the other fine vendors in, in, in our industry, do you buy data? Do you buy the systems to get it yourself? How do you handle the, the non-criminal elements, the professional license verifications, some of the other things that, that you need to do to assemble consumer reports? That it, it, it involves a process and evaluation of deciding, hey, is it better to spend, it, spend that money in-house, employ all those, all those teams, uh, to build that infrastructure, um, uh, to spend that labor, to go do it yourself, or do you just get it when you need to get it? These are conversations I know shops are happening are, are having right now, and some of the the models that they're implementing and looking at, I believe, can and will become the new way forward. But you know, it's 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 also important to point out, conversation, it isn't just about firing people because. Some of your people are going to leave anyway. People leave companies all the time for a lot of different reasons. In today's environment, we're talking about family or if they're sick, if they're afraid, if they're taking care of someone, if they're homeschooling, they got, they got scared because of what they saw maybe happening with your business or they were recruited away by somebody else. You know, these idea about finding friends on the outside instead of employing them inside, it's not 100% focused on, on laying people off. Um, because again, I think a lot of that can and will happen naturally anyways. However, a switch to this model, which I do see as a new emerging reality in our space, it, it does help you, in my opinion, better manage in, in a much more significant way uh, the, the financial risk to your business. So as, as we think through these anticipated long-term changes in, in operations, I'm, I'm certain that some of these changes we make, uh, whether it's about the topics that we've been discussing or, or other things in your business, it's going to become the new way. Economic conditions won't be like this forever, but who you buy from, who you partner with, that, that's, that we're, we're, we're going to see some disruption in our space there. I've, I've long felt the biggest operational challenge for CRAs is the volatility that comes with hiring, training, managing a staff, turnover, tenure experience, the shop that loses its two best people in a two-month period. You know, again, all those variables are accelerated during this time. And it's, it's a lot to manage in the best of times. And for listeners here in larger shops where your job may be more managerial instead of day-to-day -day screening, it's likely you don't spend a lot of your day on background checks at all. And, and you spend them on the professional responsibilities of running a business. I, I don't envy uh, the seat you're sitting in right now and some of the things that are that are hitting your desk. So as, as we wrap up and, and what am I thinking about for the next few weeks? Well, first, business will suffer. 
and yes, some of your clients will hire like never before, but some are going to go to zero. And, and it's important to know that and capture that internally because your mid-sized and smaller clients will go to zero and you won't even know it. And that's something your account teams need to be all over. The client bounced because they went to zero or because someone else gave them a 15% discount. They're, they're not moving today, but like we discussed, they're going to start getting those calls. Zero orders today and zero orders in 30 days can be for different reasons. A lot can change in a month. Next, ignore the headlines. Weekly unemployment claims again went from 280,000 two weeks ago to 3.3 million last week to 6.6 .6 million right now. So it's great to see headlines about who's hiring, but that's the exception. It's not the norm. As more states shut down, we'll see more delays in courts, schools, employers. It's really important for your client teams to communicate. This is impacting every screener. It's not your incompetence. The school's closed. The employer is closed. They're not essential. No other background check company could get it either. Your clients need to hear that because we don't want that in their heads right now. Small and medium-sized businesses are going to see the biggest hit. And if your shop's overweight with those kinds of clients, it's something to be aware of. And, and lastly, some CRAs will close. Let's use these solutions today to become stronger or at least strong enough. These topics here are as much about reviewing and strengthening your teams for the long term as they are specific solutions for the next 30, 60, 90 days. This really is an opportunity to discover and research external efficiencies, automations, solutions, things that don't pay dividends now, but they free up the cash and can really become the new normal. Much like the financial crisis in 2008, CRAs will come out of this as stronger, more efficient, productive entities. I really believe that. And that's how you should be thinking because beating vendors up for 50 cents a county isn't as powerful when you're doing 60% less work there. It's a common sense top of mind solution, but I don't know how much long-term it moves the needle in terms of building a better shop. It was the last trying period we went through that belt tightening, discovering greater efficiencies and workflows that propelled the global economy for 10 years. And I, I expect the same here. We're laying the groundwork now more than ever for future success. We, we really are in this together. So what did we cover today? All right, to recap, we discussed the state of affairs for employers and CRAs, what they're dealing with, and it's, it's not pretty, unfortunately. Which delays are temporary, which are permanent. Companies holding off on screens because they're busy writing HR policies. That's temporary. Hotel project, the 500 construction workers that would have built it, it's permanent. Time tells which percent is which, but I unfortunately think more of it is permanent than temporary right now. There's risk around, staff risk. Some may leave because they're afraid, some may leave because they can't work, some may leave because they're recruited away. Look inside your shop at that risk and manage it appropriately. Fulfillment risk, schools, employers, courts, more and more are shutting down. What new techniques and solutions should you use if at all possible? Long-term changes, some of what we do is going to become the new normal. And it'll be exciting to see what does take hold as we come out the other side. And, and finally, what you do now, internal trainings, audits, surveys, account reviews, these are things that I love doing. It's, it's the cement inside of a CRA. These are the things that build the foundational strength that ensure you're sturdy enough to weather the storm. Again, call me, call friends, call people in the industry you know. Pick my brain. Again, I won't charge you for it. But we, we can only control at this time what we can control. Right now, we can't control a lot. 
let's nail what we can. So Dave, let's dive into some of the questions. All right, everybody. Uh, well, as you probably surmised, that concludes the main body of the webinar. And uh, Kev, Kevin, always want to thank you uh, for your time and valuable insights. As mentioned at the outset today, um, we will now open the floor for questions. Uh, Kevin, we have had some really, really thought-provoking questions come in, so I hope you're ready. And uh, for those of you who haven't Let's submitted, it. please uh, type your questions to either Kevin or Danielle, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. So. Without any further ado, let's get to these. Kevin, uh, first question, what should I ask my client in order to ascertain future hiring needs? That's, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, there's a series of, 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 of questions and just you know, data points that I'm really, really interested in um, for, for a couple different reasons. Um, some of the questions are designed, obviously, to get a data point, give you some clarity, some, um, some ability to predict and manage your business during this time. But I'm equally as interested in assessing whether the person I'm talking to is really, really dialed in um, to what their organization has planned. Because if we call and we ask our team members, if, if we ask our client contacts, what's going on, what they think is going to happen, uh, we, we may get an answer. And we may not get an answer. <laughs> and the answer we get may not be grounded in fact or reality. The answer we don't get, it, you know, the, the same thing happens. So I, I always want to ask a couple probing questions beyond, hey, what do you think, you know, what, what do you expect is going to happen in your business for the future? And of course, we're doing it on the human level. We're doing it. We're empathetic about it. It's more art than science. We want to express um, sympathy and empathy for what's happened with them as well. But um, if somebody says, oh yeah, this, yeah, 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 volume's gonna be normal, no changes at all. That only reassures me if I also know and can kind of that, how dialed in that person is into their company's plans. For example, uh, if they are an airline and your client contact tells you it's gonna be business as normal and everything's great and we expect an awesome spring hiring season. <laughs> maybe a dramatic example, because I don't think you're going to get that from an airline client. But if you do, I don't believe that. Um, and uh, again, the, the, the real life instances are going to be a little less dramatic. The probing questions are a little more, um, okay, you know, how do we know that? Did, did the uh, you know, financial planning department just send a company email or did, did something just come down from the CEO? Was there, was there messaging um, around that organizationally? Um, as in many organizations, that does happen. But in many organizations, our buyers just don't know. They're just not dialed in. Sometimes it's the volatility of, and it's just the normal nature um, of their business. Um, and sometimes they're, they're really just not dialed in. So uh, I, I really want to attack it from two different ways. You know, what do they think? What are they hearing? But also, what do they know? What juice do they have within their organization to kind of find out um, what that is? And that lets you know how much to either trust or not trust that answer. So I hope that one helps, Dave. Okay, next, uh, what should I plan for if my client says they don't know what their future hiring needs are? I would, yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of a cousin of the, the last question or one of the right. scenarios that I, that I outlined. Um, and, and again, I, it's a weird place for, for me to be because I, I, I always um, am so optimistic and, and bullish about us as an industry. Um, 
but if you get somebody who says they don't know, I would, I would significantly, ex I would expect to get significantly less work from them in the, in the, in the next 90 days. Uh, and that's a more macro um, feeling. I, I, I would of course consider it with, with their industry, right? If, if it is a, um, if it's a gig client, um, if it's DoorDash, if you're talking to the HR manager from DoorDash, and they say, hey, I, I don't know what to expect. Well, that's different. That's an industry that's, that's doing a lot of hiring right now. I, I would expect an uptick. But if you talk to somebody and they, you know, they're a cotton sock manufacturer and cotton sock manufacturing is not an essential business right now, according to that state, if that HR manager says, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, I, I, would, I would in my head, in my heart, I would cut that business by 75%. Um, you know, certainly, certainly for the next 90 days. So if, if you get the, I don't know answer, and it's a client that falls within some of those industries that are hiring, then I would plan accordingly. And I would just think, okay, not a big haircut and, and probably maybe some growth there. Um, but if they're in a business, you know, entertainment, uh, aviation, travel, hospitality, restaurants, bars, I, I would cut that significantly and I would, I would cut it fast. Okay. Uh, this next one um, speaks to the human aspect that you were speaking of in the, uh, in the presentation. What work from home trade-offs should I be willing to accept from my team or unwilling to accept? Yeah, I like that one. I like that one a lot. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is productivity. You know, let's, let's just think if we're working from home, um, if we have young kids running around, if schools are closed, we, we are teachers. I was a teacher for an hour before this webinar. After this webinar, I'll go, I'll go back and I'll, I'll, I'll do something again with, with my kids. Um, so the first thing I think of is, is productivity. And again, let's, you know, let's, let's think of this on a human level. Um, the, the work still has to be done. So my point isn't to recognize and understand and accept that there will be a lack, that there will be a productivity lag amongst their, your employee, your employees that are working from home. I'm not saying just accept it and do nothing about it, uh, accept it, identify what those gaps are and figure it out a different way. Cause you got to close those gaps, but your team member that can review 200 criminal records a day in your office is probably able to review, um, 75 to 100 today. So, you know, if, but everyone's different. If, if it's a retired person or you have, you have kids that are out of the house um, and, and, and you don't have seven-year-olds running around, the product, productivity might not change. Productivity might increase. But just look at your individual team members and kind of what are, what's their home life like at that moment. Uh, other trade-offs. And when I, I think of security, I think of privacy. Uh, I don't necessarily think of it as... Um, cutting it or not caring about it, but there are things that matter to us inside of the office. And it's important to just review with your IT and compliance teams, what matters outside of the office. In our office, everything is in a, a secure environment. Paper isn't left on a desk because there's a hundred people in the building and client tours and cleaning people, right? So we put everything in a locked filing cabinet. Well, at home, we might not need to do that um, because it's just us in our house working in our, in our desk. So, um, you know, we don't want our people at home thinking again, I'm not, not putting words in the compliance director's mouth, but a compliance director may say, 
uh, yeah, it, it's just you in, in your house. You don't need to go buy a filing cabinet from Staples. Um, you don't need to venture out of the house to go do that because everything had to be in a filing cabinet at the office. They may say you need to do that, but I don't think they will. My point is have those questions, those conversations internally to determine um, what still matters, what matters more, um, but also what, what might matter a little less. All right. And next we have, how should I handle clients who call and ask for a discount if our revenues are already done? Yeah, I would, um, I, I would look for ways to make a reasonable accommodation that lets them go back to their bosses with some wins. Um, I know that's hard to hear. It's hard to say because the business owner right now listening that is looking at minus 60% of business for the foreseeable future, I just told him to go to minus 68 <laughs> through all these discounts that, that, that he's giving. Um, my, my point isn't to give away your money. Um, my point is to recognize that in this environment, let's try and do what we can to delay um, the, the, the welcome audience that many of our HR partners will grant to employers, to, to, to competitors and the sweet talking salespeople who walk in the door offering a 10% discount and the proverbial better service, better technology, faster turnaround time. Um, there, there's, and, and from that discount perspective, if we're all trying to do math in our heads, let's also consider that the 8% discount that we're giving a client isn't 8% off of the volume that they had two months ago. It's not 8% off of the future growth that they anticipate. It's 8% off a much, much smaller number. And, and eight is just the number I have in my head. It doesn't have to be the recommended discount. Um, everything is different, of course, but um, I, I, I don't recommend, pardon my French, getting in a pissing match with, with a, a client that's hurting right now. They're probably being directed to do it by their bosses. Uh, some of them will, will take the initiative and they're going to do it without somebody asking, but I bet most of them were asked to do it. And if we can't find a reasonable middle ground, the first ask was try and get a discount. The second ask will be, okay, let's see what else is out there. I, I believe we're going to see a lot of RFPs and a lot of vendor reviews. Not today, not tomorrow, because our contacts are writing policies to deal with coworkers in, in that coughing example I gave. But in the coming months, that's going to be the directive from upon high. Go get us some discounts. We, we have to cut our expenses. So let's try and get in front of that and stop that from happening. Okay, now I love the format of this next one. A little more formal for you, Kevin. Okay. Dear CRA doctor, what percent of business is reasonable to expect will come back this summer? Thank you for doing this webinar. Oh, well, thanks, thanks, thanks for listening. I hope everybody stuck around and, uh, and, and learned something, of course. Um, I, I think if we're, if, if we're thinking of minus 50 to minus 75% in the next 90 days, I think once we hit our dip, we're going to get a third of that back. And boy, do I hate saying that because I am always so optimistic about our space and our ability to make money, serve clients well, be more compliant. But I'm not optimistic right now 
And, you know, if we think minus, minus 50, it, it doesn't mean once, once we dip, um, we take 33% off the top and, oh, we're just minus 15. You know, it's not like, oh, we, we, hit, we hit July, we're minus 15. Now, I think a third of that minus 50 is going to come back, which means 15%. And I know, you know, you're, you're listening to me do math, but um, so try and follow along. But if we, if we bottom out at minus 50, I, I, I think at the end of summer, we're still minus 35. And, and, and I hate saying that, but it's what I feel. And, and, you know, my obligation to everybody here is to, to really to, to, to scare us straight, to start thinking and evaluating what we need to do to come out strong on the other side. So, so I, and I hope to be wrong. I, I, I hope it is a 75% jump from, from the bottom and we can claw most of this back by the summer. Um, but, but I don't, I don't see it happening right now. Okay. And we are bumping right up against okay. our time limit. So I got one more here. Sure. Uh, should I just plan for volume to keep falling or realigning my staff to my volume as it changes? I, I'd plan for, and, and I'm looking at the clock too, David. So I'll, I'll try and wrap this up quickly. I, I'd plan for volume to keep falling and I would realign your staff more sharply than you think you need to. And I would look to do it not in a series of decisions every single week. And, and, and I understand the risk that that creates. Hey, if, if I realign my staff once or maybe twice, then I'm, then I'm acting without future information. I'm trying to predict it, et cetera, et cetera. Like I, I get that. Um, but what I'm, equally concerned about now and more concerned about in the future is if, if, if you align your staff, let, let's call it what it is, a layoff, a furlough, a wage cut, et cetera. If you do that four times over the next four weeks, the morale, the fear, the negative energy in your business is going to be so significant in my opinion, and it'll be more impactful than what you did early, which might have been a little too aggressive. I, I'd rather, so I'd rather you be a little too aggressive for two reasons. I'd rather you be a little too aggressive because until we hit the bottom, we don't know where the bottom is. So let's just plan for the bottom to keep falling. And I, I'd rather you be aggressive because I don't think doing this four times over a four week period is in the best interest of, of your staff and, and your long-term retention. Again, which we will need when we come out of this, the, the, the most talented employees will leave first. So that's probably a big reason why I'm thinking about the morale component as well. And I'm willing to make some financial trade-offs. It's your best people that are going to leave first. It's your best people that are going to have the most opportunity outside of your shop. So let's try as much as possible to, to keep them in the building, if at all possible, because we're going to need them on the other side. Okay, and, and right here, real quickly, Kevin, somebody said, "How about let's end on a positive note?" How old? Yes. Are you? How old? Yes, are you? please. <laughs> they, they they are. Yes, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, um, Alexis is nine, and and Dominic is six, and uh, 
it, it's interesting because you, you always hear parents who say, or your parents with older kids, wow, it goes by forever. Um, or, or I'm sorry, like it goes by in a flash, but, but, that, but that, yeah, but then on the other side, it, it feels like, wow, we've had kids our entire life. Um, <laughs> I am, I am reasonably older than they are. And I felt I've had kids since I was nine years old. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I get it. Someday we're going to wake up and, and they're going to be going off to college. Um, much, yeah. like, much like yours. I'm right there with a 17 year old. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but thanks to who asked that. Cause that, that hopefully puts a smile on everybody's face. Absolutely. Um, as we wrap well, this up. Well, everyone, thank you so much for attending today. Uh, we just hope that, uh, uh, you got something really positive out of this. Uh, Kevin's insights, as always, are super valuable. And um, Kevin, thank you for being here. And I know from everybody at Securitech, we wish you all the best. And please stay as safe and healthy as possible. And we will see you on the next webinar. Thanks, guys. Take care.